0: Acts chapter 12, this is the message that God laid on my heart down in South Africa. While y'all were being preached to on prayer, God was laying on my heart that we need to have more prayer meetings as a church that meets with God. And uh, if we're not careful, uh, prayer will be just a responsibility and it'll be a bunch of jargon words where we're praying for somebody else to hear us or we're praying to hear ourselves. I don't judge anybody's prayer, but I know my prayers sometimes don't get through, and I'm concerned about that, and I want to pray more fervently. I want to pray with more faith, and I want to just give you a thought in uh, Acts chapter 12 that really just tore my heart up as I thought about prayer. Uh, let's stand all the Word of God, and I want to read this miracle, and then I'll just preach on one verse. That's verse 5. Now, about the time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, that's happened today, by the way, and he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. By the way, our, our missionaries to Egypt were not allowed to go back into Egypt, except Brother Gasway somehow got back in. Brother Gates couldn't even go back in. They expelled him. And so it's getting harder and harder. And so this is what's happening and because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. And then were the days of the unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to the four quadrants of soldiers. That's 16 Roman soldiers he was chained to or watched by to keep him intending after Easter, and that word Easter means Passover, to bring him forth to, to the people. And Peter therefore was kept in prison but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, that's to be killed, folks. The same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers out of the 16, bound with two chains, and the keepers, therefore, the doors kept the prison. That's the other 14, or 16, 14. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side, and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said to him, Gird thyself, and bind on thy sandals. And so he did, and said unto him, Cast thy garments about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he, he saw a vision, thought he was dreaming. And when they were past the first and the second ward, they came into the iron gate, which leads into the city, which opened to them of its own accord. Picture that for a second. It opened on its own accord. And they went out and passed through the street, one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a certain surety that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me out of the hand of Herod, and from all the expectations of the people of the Jews, When he had considered the things, he came to the house of Mary. Why? Why did he go to the house of Mary? The mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel uh, came to hearken named Rhoda. And she knew Peter's voice. She opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told Peter stood before the gate and they said to him thou art mad or crazy but she constantly affirmed that it was even so and then said they it's an angel but peter continued knocking when they had opened the door he saw him and saw him they were astonished and he beckoned to them with the hand of a uh, to hold their peace declared unto them how the lord had brought them out of the uh, him out of the prison and he said go show these things to james and to the brethren and he departed and went to another place as soon as it was a day, there was so, no small stir among the soldiers that was, before, become, that was become of Peter. And when Herod had sought for him, he found him not and examined the keepers, the quadrant of soldiers, and commanded they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Sy- 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 Syria and their abode. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the great time of testimonies and praise for what you're doing in and through our missionaries. And Lord, we know it's all because of thee and because of prayers. And God, we want want to pledge tonight that we'll pray more as a church for our own missionaries. And so Lord, help us, dear God, to realize the power of prayer when a church gathers to pray. Lord, I feel sorry for people that never come to an old-fashioned church prayer meeting. God, forgive us for not having more cottage prayer meetings in people's homes. God, forgive us for trying to trust the flesh and the program and the singing and the preaching to get it done when, God, you're the only one that can do it. God, I pray that you'd help us to realize how to pray for the impossible and for miracles tonight. And, Lord, give us faith to receive this message as from the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to know this one verse, but I want you to know Peter was facing execution. He was asleep, resting in the will of God. The night before he was being put to death, he was sleeping. That's amazing to me. When the gates of the prison was opened miraculously, he woke up. He thought he was dreaming, but he realized he wasn't dreaming. And he went to a home because he knew that that home was a place of prayer. He knew that his church was praying for him. He was the pastor, and somebody was praying for his life. It was a matter of life or death that the church prayed. I want to give you four principles on how we can be a church that prays down miracles on people's lives. It's a miracle when somebody comes back to God. It's a real miracle when somebody gets saved, say amen. We just sort of take it whole hum and say, well, they passed from death into life. No, it's a miracle from God. And we need to pray the devil would get off their backs and out of their mind and they'd listen to the gospel, get on the sound of the gospel, be ready to have the gospel presented to them, and it all is plowed by prayer. Folks, God can do the impossible when the church prays together. Number one, I want you to look at Acts chapter 12, verse 5. Just for a few minutes, I'll try to preach to my normal time, which is 15 after. But if I go to 20 after, um, just praise God anyway. It'll be in any TV program you'll see, I promise you. How to get your prayers answered. How can a church pray? Well, here it is. The Bible says in verse 5, Peter, therefore, was kept in prison to be executed, I might add that. And the prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. I'm going to give you four principles on prayer, and I want to do it not in order, but in priority. Number one, I want you to see the two words, unto God. Unto God. How often, when we pray, be honest now, you focus on your words. Some of you would never pray publicly, Because you're so scared, your words will not be proper. How often do you that pray often prepare your heart just in case you're called on to pray? And folks, sometimes we don't pray. Sometimes I don't pray. I hate to admit that. I want to pray. But I'm really praying that somebody will hear me. And it's not God. Unto God is the key. How often are we focused on the ones hearing our prayer? I've seen some people bring up a lot of great prayers, but I can tell by the way they're praying, they ain't praying to God. They're praying to be heard. Preachers are very bad about that. How often are you on autopilot with vain repetition? You've got a set prayer, you pray it, and you don't even picture if God's there or not. I've been guilty of that. I believe if we read Revelation chapter 1, and I believe if we read Revelation chapter 5, and I believe if we meditated and really, truly read Isaiah chapter 6 and get a vision of who God really is, our prayer life would change. Say amen? Isaiah chapter 6 or 5, he's saying, woe is you, woe is you, woe is you, five times. But when he gets to seeing God and seeing him high and lifted up and His trained to fill the temple and and the seraphims are singing, holy, holy, holy. He saw the whole scene. He saw God of who he was. He prayed, woe is me. I'm, undone, uh, I'm uh, un, unclean lips. I'm an undone man. I'm a sinner. Lord, help me get right with God. Then he said, Lord, send me. And God sent him. And he, and he, and he wrote a great book of 66 books, which correlates with the whole book of the, uh, the whole Bible. And folks, it was a great revelation. But folks, that's the only way you can pray. You need to picture who you're praying to. You need to realize who you're praying to before you ever open your mouth. I don't believe we ought to have one syllable of a prayer until we realize who we are praying to. That takes a little meditation. That takes a little preparation. And The truth of the matter is, a lot of times prayers are very flippant, They're very instant, and they're very short, and they're very sweet, but it's not prayer. Folks, the reason that Peter was delivered, it was unto God. Now, I'm not praying, I'm not passing judgment on you. I'm preaching out of my own need of prayer. R.A. Torrey said this, we should never utter a syllable of a prayer until we are certain we're in the presence of God and that we're really speaking to Him. We need to be consciously aware of whom you are speaking to. I think that's the key of prayer, is realizing that He is God, and that He has a will for your life, He has a will for the lost to be saved, and you need to remember who God is. Let me give you an illustration. One of the 12 greatest leaders in the world met And they gave you a chance to come and speak to them, and they would grant what you would wish for the world. Would you just flippantly go in there and use some vain repetition and pray a prayer of uncertainty and uh, no specificity, and it was just, you know, God bless America. I don't believe you'd pray that prayer. I believe you'd really think about the greatest need in your life, in your neighborhood, in your world, and you would meditate on that, you would think about that, and you would take this as a great privilege to enter into the 12 leaders of the world that could grant something and do something miraculous. Well, I want to tell you something. We pray to a God that's over everything. We pray to an almighty God. We pray to a powerful God, and we pray to a God that can move the world. And sometimes we enter into his presence, but we don't pray to him. Look at Psalms 121. I believe this is a great prayer, a great preparation for prayer, I might say. Psalms 121 says, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. He's the only help we got. He's the only hope we have. My help cometh from the, I'll wait on you, Psalms 121. Everybody got your Bible? That's God's voice, by the way. The Bible is God's voice. Don't look for visions and spooky voices. Look for God's word. It says, My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Heaven and earth. God made you. God can remake your situation. And some of you are in a messed up situation. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. He's there. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. And folks, He will preserve your children. He'll preserve your loved ones. He can preserve your marriage. He can can, uh, not pickle it. He can preserve it, and it's sweet. Folks, God can answer prayer, and He will answer prayer. How can we have access to God? Well, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 tells us. Hebrews 10, 19, the Bible says this. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holies by the blood of Jesus. Write that down if you're not there. Hebrews 10, 19. We have access to God Almighty that runs everything, over everything. He's high and lifted up. He's holy, 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 trice holy God. And the reason we have access is because of the blood, because of Calvary, because because he spent his life and folks, you say, well, what about, maybe i got sin in my life. That's where 1 John 1.9 says we'll confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And that's where we get uh, 1 John, I believe it's 1.7, where we have fellowship one with another because the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. And then we have uh, the basis of our prayers, the blood of Jesus. And folks, I want to tell you the means of access is by the Spirit. So we got the blood and we got the spirit. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 18. Ephesians 2, 18. And by the way, if these missionaries can go overseas and leave their family and leave their loved ones, you can show up at visitation Saturday morning. But, you know, you can pray for them and stay at church a little longer than normal. You really can. And we can do away with a couple songs. We really get a burden for our missionaries. Amen. We need to pray for them. We need to back them up. Ephesians two eighteen says, "For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father." Folks, the spirit of God knows God better than you know Him, and the spirit of God reveals God. The spirit of God makes God real. The spirit of God knows the will of God better than you know the will of God. That's why Romans chapter eight verse twenty six says, "The spirit gives intercession." And he, he's interceding for Jesus, not you, making Jesus real to you. He's the interceder. He makes the will of God real. He guides you into all truth. The Holy Spirit is the divine escort, in other words, into the presence of God. So if you're quenching the Spirit of God, you can't pray. If you're grieving the Spirit of God, you can't pray. Because the Spirit of God brings you in the presence of God. And folks, you can read all the chapters you want to. If you have sin in your life, the Spirit of God is so grieved that He will not reveal how great God is, how wonderful God is, because there's a cloud of sin between you and God. Holy Spirit fullness is wonderful in our prayer life because it lifts up God. It lifts up Jesus. He's glorified. So number one, put it down, we pray unto God. Number two, we pray earnestly. Look back in the verse twelve five. 12-5, please. It says, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing. I want to call that uh, earnestness. You know, it's one thing to pray a little prayer and go to a prayer meeting for about five or ten minutes, but it's another thing without ceasing. And the the word uh, without ceasing is stretched out. It's longing. It's earnest. Um, I guarantee you this, you parents, you, you mothers especially, now I think your daddy, daddies, you're not too hard hearted either to do this. When your baby was small, couldn't talk, couldn't tell you what's wrong, but was burning up with fever, what was your prayer? Was it God blessed the babies of the world? God bless humanity and God bless this and God bless. Bu- no, your prayer was this. Oh God, save my baby. Is that not true, mamas? Have you ever prayed that prayer? Oh God, save my babies. It was an earnest prayer. It might have been in the emergency room. It was an earnest prayer. It was a prayer that you never thought you'd have to pray when, when uh, cancer was pronounced upon your child or heart condition. Or something that you never thought would be in your child's life, what was your prayer? God bless the whole world. No, your prayer was, Oh God, save my baby. Oh God, help her live. Oh God, cure her. Oh God, heal her. That's called earnest praying. And see, the evidence of being earnest is measured by your level of perseverance. They prayed continually. Now I know they didn't pray with much faith but God answered anyway because most of them were surprised when he knocked on the door. One little girl wasn't. Maybe she's the one that got the prayer through. Says he's at the door. Oh you're mad. You're crazy Rhonda. Was it Rhonda? I think it was Rhonda was it? Rhonda. I didn't know that was a biblical name. Rhonda. How many Rhondas do we have in this room? Okay. Glad you're not here. No because I'm making fun of your name but I'm telling you. Rhonda had the prayer. She said, he's at the door. Or maybe she just had good discernment. That's his voice. Oh, you're crazy. Let's go ahead and keep praying. But I'll tell you, somebody got through in that prayer meeting. That's what's so great about a church praying together earnestly. Somebody can get through. Sometimes I'm too low to pray. Sometimes I'm too shallow to pray what I ought to pray. But when I can agree with your prayer, it helps me. I'm going to tell you something, friend. Just a few minutes ago, I felt the burden, and I felt the heart cry. Not with just the vocal prayers, but just your presence. I knew who was on your heart. I'm not a son of a prophet. I'm not a prophet. But the heartbeat is earnestness. Oh, God, touch my wife. Oh, God, touch my son. Oh, God, touch my sister and Savior. There's got to be an earnestness. Sometimes our prayers are too dry. Sometimes we don't even cry because we're too uh, we're too proud to cry. Brother Mark criticized me at the at the um, couples' retreat, marriage retreat because I was talking about pappy and grandmama. About I that's my man. And, and um, when Mark gets real close to tears, I looked over at him. He starts smiling. <laughs> he don't want to cry. I don't know. He's just tough, you know. But I want to tell you something. I'm glad God can break our hearts towards souls. And we might have to smile through it because we're trying to hide the tears because you've got so much pride you don't want to cry. And that's all right, man. Go ahead and be tough if you want to. But there's a time of brokenness that you earnestly cry out, God, that's my baby. God, that's my that's my wife, and she don't even want to come to church. That's my husband, and he won't be a spiritual leader. He's got sin in his life. He's into things that that you know is real and you know is wrong. And so, folks, number two, we need to pray earnestly. And then number three, so it's time's up. Prayer is made by the church corporately or together. The word for church is ecclesia. We, we taught we that in school this morning. That means the assembled church. It's not an invisible church. It's not the universal church. It's the visible people of God, the body, the bride, the building of Christ. And I want to tell you something. The challenge is that we need to pray as a church. We need to have prayer meetings that are prayer meetings, not play meetings, not just the sick list on the board, Because we're used to praying about that. But I'm talking about trying to keep people out of hell, not out of heaven. I know that was cruel, and I know that hurts your prayer list, but I want to tell you something. It's more important to keep people out of hell than it is to keep people out of heaven. And folks, what is the problem, man, if he gets cured of cancer and goes straight to hell? We need to have a burden for the loss. And I know you already had a sermon on that, but I challenge you to do a survey in the book of Acts. And I happen to do this this afternoon I, I didn't want to go to sleep because of this jet lag because right now it's past midnight of what I'm used to and so I'm very sleepy but I, I just tried to stay awake because my experienced traveled daughter said if you start taking naps before you get over this uh, jet lag you're, you're doomed for several days of agony so I've been trying my best not to nap and for an old man that's a miracle amen I like my naps in fact, I'm, I'm a little Hispanic. I like siestas, amen. But I like tacos too, but I ate too many of them today. I challenge you to do a survey, and I wrote down this 32 times in the book of Acts, of the Holy Spirit, is the word prayer. But I'll challenge you, and I'm just going to give you 11, verses, 11 chapters. I challenge you to do a survey. The church was born and grew and exploded in the contents and the belief that the church gathered was the most powerful force on the world. Can y'all say amen to that? It's the most powerful force in the world. And you won't even come to a prayer meeting. Folks, I want to tell you something. You're missing the most powerful source of power in your life for correction, uh, for exhortation, for edification, but also for glorification is a corporate prayer meeting. A church praying together. And I don't believe preachers preach this enough because they don't pray enough. Amen. Amen. But the early church was born in a prayer meeting. Luke chapter 24, he said, tarry and pray and wait. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 1, just go glance back there real quick. Verse 14, they met in the upper room and there was prayer. The church was birthed through prayer. It says they all continued with one accord in prayer. The day of Pentecost, 3,000 people saved. The miracle, the rushing mighty wind. The tongues translated. 19 dialects listed right there. Nothing about gibberish, nothing about prayer language. Don't get that wrong. It came through a prayer meeting. Acts 2, 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And what were they doing all in one accord in one place? They sure wasn't sitting there playing Monopoly. They sure wasn't playing games. They were praying. And God's Spirit swept through there. Acts chapter 3. The miracle happened when Peter and John was going to a prayer meeting. The first miracle recorded in Acts. Um, In Acts chapter 4, uh, they were beat up, scattered, the Bible says, persecuted, Acts chapter 4, verse 4. Um, uh, Howbeit, when they which heard the word believed, and the number of the men were about 5,000, and then they were persecuted, put in jail, uh, I mean, just beat to a pulp. And folks, the Bible says they, they were ignorant and learned men, but they marveled, Acts chapter 4, verse 13, because they'd been with Jesus. Acts 4:31 says, and when they had prayed and the place was shaken, where they were assembled together, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God with boldness. When they got out of jail, they said, hey, we're privileged to suffer for Jesus. Now, where's the prayer meeting? What would most of us do? So I ain't going back to that church. They don't pay to be a Christian. It's not fun anymore. I got put in jail for being a Christian. Acts chapter 5, there was great sin, but prayer was made. In Acts chapter 6, the whole church was restructured and deacons was ordained that that they could give themselves continually, Acts 6, 4, to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. They had deacons to serve tables so the preachers could pray and be in the Word. Acts 10, when Cornelius, uh, what was he doing when God revealed to him the Holy Ghost and the spiritual things he was praying? What was happening in Acts 10 when Peter was to go to Cornelius, the unclean person, the Gentile, Folks, I'll tell you what he was doing. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10 he was praying. Acts 13, when the first missionaries were sent out, Paul and Barnabas, they were praying. Historically and globally, every time there's a great awakening, it's a group of people that are praying together. The great revival of the Wesley brothers started with a mother of 17 children praying. 17 children. She prayed one hour a week with each one of them. George Whitfield, George Whitfield, our county's named after it, so we don't have such a bad name after all, Whitfield Baptist Church. He was a great evangelist and a prayer warrior. And guess who was his favorite follower in the 1770s? Benjamin Benjamin. Who called a halt to all the business of the government setting up our Constitution, our Declaration of Independence, really dependence? It was Benjamin Franklin, because his favorite preacher was George Whitfield. So our nation, our Constitution, our Declaration of Independence was birthed through prayer and through the preaching of George Whitfield, 1857, the prayer in New York City, Grew from six people to twelve people to one thousand a week, every week, twi- Tuesday and Thursday. And folks, God blessed with millions of people being saved and baptized. Even a thousand people got saved on a, uh, a aircraft carrier in the New York Harbor. And folks had continued and spread to Wales, and they had such a revival they put a clean uh, white glove over the judgment seat. No trials, no trials to be held. No criminals. Uh, uh, the mules would not work in the mines because they were so used to the cussing and the profanity of their owners that when they got saved over in Wales, they didn't know how to work because the owners changed their vocabulary. That's real revivals, amen. When men start cussing, there's revivals taking on, off, amen. Folks, Jonathan Edwards, yes, all these came through prayer. And then last but not least, we need to pray specifically. Look, look at Acts twelve five. It says, Prayer was made without ceasing of the church, that's praying corporately together, unto God for him. For him. For him. I believe they named Peter's name. I believe they said, Pastor is up on the guillotine. I hope that if I get arrested and they're going to kill me tomorrow, that somebody's having a prayer meeting. I hope they, I hope you do. I hope that never happens. But for him. Folks, parents want to know the need of their children. Why are you sick? Why are you crying? What will give you joy? What will give you fulfillment? You want them to request something specifically. And folks, these definite prayers is what God answers. And God brought a group of people together to pray for Peter. God answered that prayer. The chains fell off the doors open he's knocking at the door of a prayer meeting because he knows he knows that the church was founded on prayer it operated in prayer it's blessed by prayer that it's gonna go on with prayer he said I know they're praying for me and if God delivered me my church is praying for me and he was set free there'd be many preachers that wouldn't be run off every three years in local churches if the congregation would get together and bombard heaven for their preacher. He might change if he's wrong. He might just get the fire of God in his soul. He might become a soul winner. He might become a prayer warrior. He might become a loving shepherd. But most people said, let's just vote him out because he's a sorry preacher. I'm glad y'all not like that. If there's any reason I've been one place 41 years It's because a lot of you have prayed for me and set me free from myself and set me free from my problems and set me free from my bondage. Shouldn't we do that for each other? Four, Four truths. Four truths. Under God, that's the greatest need. Earnestly, they continued in prayer. Corporately, together, they prayed. Together. Old-fashioned prayer meetings. And then they prayed for him specifically. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you, dear God, for this truth and this one verse that you burned in my heart. God forbid that we go through the motions, and God forbid this pastor would go through the motions. Of just praying when you call when I'm called on. Praying because it's my turn to pray, like I used to do as a teenager when it was youth night. I'd get my memorized prayer ready. I'd just think to myself, how am I going to say this and what am I going to pray for? I better pray it right. Had no audience of God. Had no idea who I was praying to. God help us to pray unto you. But help us pray together. Help us pray believing all the things we know is necessary for prayer with a willing heart. For your glory, yes. But God, may we pray with definite specificity for people.